Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. And this is a 10-minute episode of Christian Apologetics. I'm continuing a theme that I started a while back on the flood, the flood of Noah's day. We looked at some basic facts and timeline of the flood in the last 10 minutes of apologetics episode. In this episode, we will consider together first evidences for the reality of the flood and its universality. We'll start by looking at the purpose of the flood. I think when we understand the purpose of the flood, it will help us to not only understand the reality, but also the universal nature of the flood, a.k.a. the global flood. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. God said to Noah, The end of all flesh, notice, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth, not just a part of the earth, but the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Verse 17, God said to Noah, And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. So the purpose of the flood was to destroy life from the face of the earth. Genesis chapter 7, verse 4. Genesis chapter 7, verse 4. The Lord also said to Noah, For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy. The idea is blot out from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. Again, the purpose of the flood was to destroy life from the face of the earth. All life could not have been limited to one geographic location. Let's consider next the period of warning. If that have been the purpose of the 120 years, yet for man's days, Genesis 6-3, would not have been necessary in the event of a local flood. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive or abide with man, mankind, forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. So for 120 years, God was preparing the people, not just Noah, but the world, the earth, and all its inhabitants for this great event, for this flood. And Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, a passage that many are familiar with, tells us that God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So Noah preached, no doubt, during that period of time because he was a preacher of righteousness. And so many people will say that he preached for 120 years, and I'm hard-pressed to say otherwise. Consider next not only the purpose of the flood and the period of warning, the 120 years that was necessary for a global flood, not just an, a local flood, 
But the need for an ark. The need for an ark must have been due to the fact that Noah and the others could not flee. They could not run to a place. They could not go to a location where they would escape the flood. So it was only in the ark. I think that was part of the reason for the need of the ark, which again, I think evidences the reality of the flood and also its universality. Next, the size of the ark. Genesis 6.15 gives the size. It says, The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. The size then, according to a standard cubit, would be 450 feet by 75 feet by 45 feet. And that size, 450 by 75 by 45, is rivaled only by ships built after the Industrial Revolution, far exceeding any used on lakes or seas prior to the Industrial Revolution. The size of the ark shows the reality of the flood and holding two of every kind and the universe, the universality of the flood. Next, the duration of the flood. One year and ten days, according to Genesis 7:11 and Genesis 8:14. The time period between those statements, between those records of fact, the, the, the historical markers, I might call them. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And then in chapter 8, verse 14. And in the second month, on the 27th day, of the first day, excuse me, let me reread that. Genesis eight fourteen, And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. So the duration of the flood was a year and 10 days. And that far exceeds the duration or length of any kind of localized flood. Again, pointing to the reality of the flood and the universal nature of it, the global nature of it. Consider next the depth of the waters. Genesis chapter 7 verse 19 says, And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. Verse 20, The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. So about 22 and a half feet above the highest mountains is validating given the impossibility of stacking water. <laughs> the water prevailed. The depth of the waters shows the reality of the flood and the global universal nature of the flood. Someone says, above all the high hills, folks, archaeology, <coughs> geology, and history would indicate very clearly, that Mount Everest did not exist prior to the flood, and mountains like it. Such mountains were, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> were in all reality, in all likelihood, created during the flood and the shifting of the tectonic plates. Chapter 7, verse 11, 
mentions the great deep, the fountains of the great deep being broken up and the windows of heaven uh, being opened and the rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and so forth. So the depth of the waters was not deep enough to cover mountains today. It wasn't necessary because many of those mountains were no doubt formed and created uh, throughout time, but especially, especially during this catastrophic event of the flood. Next, the effect of the flood, excuse me, the effect of the flood shows its reality and its universality. Genesis chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, says, And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, excuse me, all that was on the dry land died. So he, God, destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. The effect of the flood could only have been accomplished by a universal flood, a universal one. God's promise to never again destroy the earth, Genesis chapter 9, verse 15, in that way shows that it had achieved that effect. And we read the Apostle Peter's words, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. Notice his words here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. By which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Notice the language there. It's a whole different world. Well, that's because the world that then existed perished. It was flooded. The effect of the flood was that all living things on it died, except those lives that were inside the ark. There are other biblical references to Noah, the flood, and its reality. Psalm 104, 5 and 9, Ezekiel 14, 14 and 20, Matthew 24, 37 to 39, Luke 17, 27, Hebrews 11, 7, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, 2 Peter 2, 9, and 2 Peter 3, 6. And we'll consider more in time to come about the creation and flood traditions and things associated with that and things similar to it in Christian evidences. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This has been 10 minutes of Christian apologetics. Hope that you have benefited from it. Hope that it's given you something to chew on and think on and to research more. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share this. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.